Welcome back to How They Train. I'm Jack Kelly, and today I'm joined by everybody's new favourite triathlete after his insane second-place finish at the Ironman World Championships, Sam Laidlow. Sam, I was honestly mind-blown by your performance on the weekend. Like, I don't know if I've ever had a bigger, like, holy fuck, what am I watching moment in triathlon than you hammering on the bike off the front of the race all by yourself, building that six-minute lead into T2, breaking the bike course record by five minutes in the process, and then throughout the marathon, continuing to hold off the strongest Ironman field we've ever seen. And more importantly, two of the best athletes in Ironman history in Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden, right up until the closing stages when Gustav finally got you. And it was just crazy. And then for you to hold off Christian and hold your second place, just insane, mate. So seriously, congratulations. You're a beast. And I can't wait to debrief the race with you over the next hour. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. Um, I think I had a bit of a holy fuck moment as well a few times during the, during the race. Um, no, it was just a, a very, very good day. Um, and yeah, I'm still I'm still a bit, yeah, I don't know, speechless. I don't know. It just everything came together. Uh, and I've, I knew I could cycle like that. I knew I could run like that. And uh, But I just didn't know. I hadn't yet put it, put it together. I'd always kind of crumbled in the last few Ks of the marathon. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was the motions or what of being being in front, but yeah, this time it works. And but equally, I've always been training towards this race and, and nothing else. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things where like I've been like you're probably my favorite triathlete of the year, and I've been saying this for a while, even before this this sort of performance. Like I've loved everything about you this year. I've loved a lot of your races. Like you know, I thought I thought you were the main driver in that that group at the Ironman World Championships in St George earlier in the year, and um, I still reckon for that you probably didn't get enough credit, and but but I still even I didn't like as a massive fan of you, uh, like with no doubt about your potential in the sport. Like even I was like, what what am I watching? Like I know you said that you knew you you knew you were capable of, of that, but I don't know if anyone else in the triathlon world thought you were capable of like that. Like everyone knows you're talented and you're you're gonna be a star, but. Like to do what you did that early, like it just took everybody by surprise. Yeah, I think um, it's weird because when you look at like the numbers and stuff, and it's like okay, they, they are very good numbers, but like it's still it's nothing that's like I don't know, not human or not within my reach. And I really feel that most what happens is that for some reason in in Kona, most people have a little bit of an off day, you know, something goes wrong and. I don't know if maybe I said it in our, in our previous podcast, but I feel like the big championship races, if you go there and just have a solid race, you know, not do anything crazy. And um, I think that was, there was a few things that probably meant that I had such a good day. Obviously I kind of flew under the radar. So they, they did just let me ride away, um, which they probably won't do anymore. Um, and, and equally, I just, obviously I had less, uh, less commitments leading into it than the bigger names and and the last thing yeah it's just that I didn't I just saw it as another race I for me so yes deep down I'd always prepared for that and there was a lot lot on the line really but um yeah I, I knew that if I just went there and I, in training I hadn't done anything different I hadn't tried to do something special for Kona I had a few interviews uh like after Dallas and stuff where they asked me like what are you doing to prepare for for, for Kona and I said well nothing I'll, I mean nothing different you know I don't really know what what you have to do to prepare for Kona because I've never been there so um yeah I just took it as another race and yeah I mean the swim went pretty couldn't have gone worse really in in well in St. George I had a five minute lead on on Blumenfeld out of the water and that and he caught me up uh, like I don't know halfway through the 
halfway through the run already. So, um, yeah, it was an ideal situation when we all came out together. But, um, yeah, I guess it's it's always the way when you have when the races start off bad, they seem to always end up pretty good. And I just felt better and better and didn't crumble. I want to talk about like that little bit of training you did in the lead up. Obviously, we talked not that long ago and and I guess you were still like even when we talked then you were eyeing Kona with, with your training. But before that, like, I, yeah, I want to ask some specific questions about the race that I've listened to every interview, every bit of media you've done so far. And like, I don't think you've ever like, I don't think you've quite taken someone as deep into this race as what I would like to hear because I was just like, there's so many questions I have about how this race played out for you. Um, I guess before we talk about the specifics of the race, in the in the lead up to the race, you obviously, it's like you're you're the most confident triathlete I reckon I've ever met. You know how good you are. You know how good you're going to be. You're not afraid to put that out there. But in the lead up to the race, are you thinking like, wow, earlier in the year, Christian Blumenfeld, you know, dominated everyone at St. George and I know Gustav's here and, he, he might be even better than Christian and, you know, Magnus is in form and th- there's a lot of guys who seemingly are in like really good shape and, you know, when you're in a big race like that, it can be a bit scary and intimidating. Like you're only 23. Did you have any concern that like that these guys were just too good? Like were you – did you fear the Norwegian hype train and think you couldn't beat those guys? What, like what was going through your head in the lead up to the race? Um, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I, I guess I am quite, quite confident, but equally confidence definitely comes with the, with results. And like, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a million times more confident now since the race. Um, and I generally do believe that I can like be the best at this sport, which is, uh, which is obviously great, but equally like I could have a terrible result in, in four months and have a completely different mentality, you know, um, and I think it's it's important for people to 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 understand that like I just at the end of last season like leading into this year I came off the back of like three Ironman DNFs you know and like all the races them them three Ironmans like I was I was nowhere near even like uh, the front and it, these were just like they weren't championship races so I I guess that there are moments where I was very underconfident but I still like never lost faith and um it's funny because it was even like after one of them one of them Ironmans where I actually met, met my girlfriend when I, I just DNF'd and the, what she liked about me was the fact that like she asked me what I wanted to do after the sport and um uh and I was like well I won't I won't have to do anything you know that's why I said I said something like that or something like really <laughs> cocky um and she was just amazed by the fact that I was so so confident about this even though I just like just finished like well just DNF'd in, in Ironman South Africa and um yeah, I, I don't know. So I, I've really had to te- teach myself to be more and more confident. Um, but yeah, leading into the race specifically, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I was overly confident. I think the best results I have are, are generally when I'm when I'm not uh, when I'm confident in myself, but that I still feel that like there's a that I, I don't have anything to prove. There's so many other guys that are, that are great, and I and I think that's something that I really don't want to forget next year. Is that in my head I'm going into the race like. Yes, obviously, I believe that I can I can win, have a good result, but I'm I'm also fully aware that, for instance, this year there was many penalties and many guys that I just don't feel had a, had a good day, you know, especially like um, Florian and and Magnus. Um, they're they're two guys who I was expecting to spend a lot of time with uh, during the race, and that, um, yeah, I don't know. Well, they both got a penalty, but 
equally, I don't think they had their, their best legs on the day. So, um, yeah, I, I'm fully fully aware that next year will be a completely different story and that, that it won't just be given to me on the plate to ride away every year. Um, so, yeah. So, like, I, I'm curious about a few things here. So, you did say this on our last podcast and, and reiterated it already that, you know, you believe a lot of people just have bad days in Kona, whether it's from trying to do too much in the lead up and they, they, they come in really overdone or the, the moment or the day gets to them. And, and a lot of guys, if they just had sort of their traditional solid day that they have an Ironman would get a much better result. Um, and that you don't really feel like you did anything, you know, alien or out of this world numbers wise, you just hit numbers that you're very capable of hitting. And to, to everyone on the outside, it looks like this like insane out of this world performance. Um, and then like talking about that then like Magnus Ditliv and Florian Angert and the penalties and, and guys having off days. And I want to ask so many questions about that, that, that there's like almost too many questions. So what I reckon we should do is instead of me just ask, asking specific questions about the bike or the run is let's just go through the race. Like let's just go from the start of the day to, to when you finally went to bed that night. So you talk me through it, talk me through like maybe let's start the night before. How did the night before go? Um, and, and then from there, just just walk me through to, to the, the midnight, you know, of race day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, night, nights before aren't super exciting. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, some some rice and, and chicken and off to bed. But um, I always I always tell myself that like when I wake up on the morning of the race, like I want to feel like just like super pumped and like uh, and I and it almost happens naturally. But whenever I wake up on race day, I always feel like really good and that I can just like take on take on anything basically. And I almost like thrive off that moment of like walking into transition and, and seeing everybody else and I don't know I just like I like I feel like I've got when I'm there especially at championships like I'm just like happy to be there and there's a certain aura and I can almost like feel the nerves and, and feed off that um and yeah it was actually a bit a bit rushed um don't really know why uh just body marking and stuff took a bit long couldn't find the start and then uh and then last main thing was that I'd forgotten to stick my uh, bike computer on my on my bike, and uh, so I, like as we were walking into the water, so I just I just thought about it, and luckily I saw a photographer, and I was like, he yeah, and I that knew, and I told him was like, if you see my dad, can you can you try and get somebody from Ironman or anybody to like stick the bike computer on my bike? Um, so the, the whole the whole swim, I was thinking, will I will I have a bike computer or, or will I not? Um, Anyway, so I, I wasn't I wasn't overly thinking that, but um, the swim I I decided to set off completely to the left. Um, people didn't want to leave me. People didn't want to leave me the front row, like Joe Skipper and stuff were like budging me, and I was like, oh fuck this! I'll um, I'll just sit back a bit. So I set off like pretty much dead last, and then just like came around and tried to put the pressure on for the first uh, the first one k, let's say, and. Um, I was just yeah swimming hard and uh, I thought I'd already got away to be honest I couldn't see anybody couldn't feel any feet um, so just kept it up kept it up and then after about 15 minutes I, was, I feel somebody touch my feet I was like oh like and I, I turned around like did a couple strokes backstroke and noticed that there was like 30 guys um, I think what happened was we had a bit of a the tide was coming in as we were swimming out and so it kind of just like bunched everybody together um, and it was uh, yeah at that point that I I saw like one sleeve like one tri suit and it was uh it was boom about and i i knew i knew we were in for a long a long day from there onwards um 
And then, yeah, so we just carried on. I think Florian came around. He carried on swimming. I think Florian is at uh, my current level. He's just a better swimmer. At one point, we were swimming side by side, and I felt like I was in about three arm strokes to his one. Um, and, yeah, so then I sat on his feet in second position. Um, pace, wasn't, pace wasn't too high, um, but I knew I kind of had to stay towards the right at the front because I'd made the decision to put some, some socks on in, in T1, which I knew everybody wouldn't, and I knew also that it would go off pretty hard. Um, and then, yeah, so I came out of the water like second, but I was came out of T1 maybe 20th or 25th even. And um, I coming up on just like the climb before coming down Polani, um, I like there was just like a line of, of 20 guys and everybody was in there. Um, we might as well have not not swam to be honest. Um, and um, at that point, I just said, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to make this race hard if 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 I want anything to happen. You know, there were some some great runners. Everybody was there, whether it was Patrick and Max. Max Newman was already up the road. Braden, literally, there was just my my chances of having a good race in in that kind of race scenario weren't weren't good at all. So um, yeah, I I did um, I did some pretty yeah hard hard numbers uh like spikes i'd say of efforts uh during the the short kind of climbs to overtake everybody because obviously if you overtake one person in that line of 20 you're committed to like overtaking every single person um and then yeah okay i think max had a bit of a had a bit of a lead maybe like 10 seconds his strategy was obviously to to go out hard until we hit the queen k and then kind of like settle in see who's there um and yeah luckily for him i came past and uh, i said let's cooperate and uh he didn't say anything, but um, yeah, he just kind of. I mean, he was at the, he was at the regular, he was at the distance, he was at ten, twelve meters, but um, yeah, he didn't want to. He didn't want to work with me, or I don't think he could. I don't think it was the fact that he couldn't, because um, I mean, there were some points where I was putting real surges in of like three sixty plus watts for four or five minutes, and he wasn't he wasn't budging anywhere. So um, yeah, I kept like there was a few moments where I like deliberately like almost came to a stop and like waved him past and he would come to a stop behind. And yeah. So that, that, that wasn't ideal. Uh, we lost maybe a minute or so in, with them and after a while, I'd lost so much time kind of uh, doing that and also energy that I was like, okay, it doesn't matter. Let's just, uh, let's just ride at this constant pace and see where that get, gets me. Um, I'd always been told that once you get to the turnaround in Harvey, that um, like, that's where you find out if you're a boy or a man and, I, uh, I I got there, uh, I don't know, I'd probably average maybe 315, 320 watts by that time. Um, but Magnus had caught me and Norwegians had caught me by then. Um, and I hadn't really thought about, like now looking back, I was like, okay, maybe they spent a bit too much energy trying to catch me up there. But um, I hadn't really thought about that during the race. Um, and then what happened was I kind of, so there's your personal needs aid station. And I kind of got through that quite swiftly and maybe got a 10 second lead. And then just, just kept, I don't know, I, I, my, my strategy from there was to, I thought that Magnus would really, um, really go really fast on, on the moments of the course when you can go fast because he's just a bigger guy and got a big chain ring and uh, is, is very dialed in in terms of aero and, and di- different neural angles and stuff. So I was, uh, I was pretty sure that if he was going to put the hammer down, that's where he would um, after racing him in, in Texas, uh, I, I, we did like a, we did an Ironman there and it was 45k over headwind and 45k over tailwind. And on the headwind, I was fine. I could keep up fine with him. But as soon as we picked up any speed, I was just like nowhere. Um, but I mean, since then, I've, 
I've made leaps forward in my in my equipment and aerodynamics. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was only I made the choice three days before to well, I didn't make the choice three days before, but I got a new frame three days before, which was finally my size because um, I'd been riding on the on the trek, which was too too small for me. So um, yeah, I guess part part of the re- part of the the reason was that I was on the bike that I actually like felt comfortable on, and uh, yeah, so. I set off there, um, but I didn't. There was no spikes of of, uh, of wattage, or really, I didn't. I didn't bring the pace up deliberately. In fact, like looking back at the coverage again, I probably lost another like minute or so there because I kept kind of just like look, stopping, like getting out the saddle, looking back because my goal really wasn't to break away then. And then once I once I got told I had a minute, I was like, well, okay, let's just make the most of it. And um, yeah, my, my legs showed up. That we had a slight tailwind and. The, I just felt better and better as we as we came back and uh, at one point I mean I could really feel that I was just like picking up speed and and I, I just felt I just felt so fluid and I think that's what um, most people looking at the race said to me is just that like I look so so dialed and fluid on the bike um, which is they're just days that they don't happen every day you know I mean they, we ride a bike we ride bikes lots but um, you, you you maybe when let's say you ride seven times a week you might get one day a week where you feel like that and that was just one of them days um so yeah i ended up with like i was at the top end of my my wattage um but or the plan, planned wattage but uh in in training leading up to it i just uh after dallas particularly i just all the sessions i'd done i just felt really really comfortable and anytime like in training i'd maybe rather than go for wattage we'd often like work on heart rate and stuff and um i would um like my wattage would be so high compared to my heart rate so I don't know what exactly it is. I, I'm still, I'm still young and I'm still developing, you know. So it's also that could also be a part of it. Um, I, I think every time I kind of after a race, I kind of have a bit of a race and uh, have have a bit of a rest, sorry, and then start afresh. I always feel like I've kind of like taken a step forward, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just felt felt really good leaning leaning into it. Um, even though I actually hadn't cycled that much, uh, I'd actually focused a bit on my running. I did like. I know 16 days consecutive running between Dallas and and uh, and Kona, which for me was was probably yeah, I never I rarely run that that consecutively. Um, so yeah, I guess in all three disciplines I was just like really confident um, deep down, and I guess already on the bike I could kind of feel that I was gonna that I was gonna have a decent run because normally like the last hour of the bike is always just a bit. Uh, it's a bit like painful and I start losing strength but here it wasn't the case and uh, and I think also like just the emotions of being in front of the world champs you know with a, with a camera on you all the time and just like living living my dream anyway um, certainly makes a difference um, and talking to to Sebi Keenly afterwards he was saying that like you you just raced on emotion you know and that's way more powerful than than any training or anything you can ever do so um, and I totally agree with that and then, um, yeah, I just sat on the marathon. I was super calm because there was nobody around. You know, I'd already left, I'd already left the transition and was on alley drive before they even hit hit transition. So, um, I just all I could do was focus on my race, and I didn't really let myself think about uh, anything in my head. What I was thinking about when I left the for the run, it was like, well, if I run like a very average run, like even a two fifty five, this is going to get me like seven fifty five or something, or seven fifty two, which is. It's, it's a bonkers situation to be in and um yeah so from there onwards i was i was just 
keeping yeah keeping my thoughts to myself and just like I don't know focusing on what I had to do to I, I I'd rarely had a, a race where everything went so well in terms of like nutrition and just hydration uh I'd plan to like drink loads on the bike because uh, I have a massive sweat rate so yeah I had to drink like 12 liters on the bike uh and 17 liters of total on the race which is which is a lot you know and uh both, so both transitions I had like a a 750 mil bottle that I had to down, uh, which is, yeah, is a challenge in itself. And, uh, that's why at the podium afterwards, people were impressed with my, my, my three, my three pints, but that was, um, they were non-alcoholic. So, uh, that was, that was pathetic, but just the pure quantity of water was, was decent. <laughs> um, and, um, yeah. So then the, the run, I guess it was only at about the halfway point when I heard like I had three minutes split, I had three minutes to them uh that kind of let myself wonder like well maybe this this could actually happen here and um it just I kind of got overwhelmed by emotions at that point and started like like getting goosebumps and stuff during the race and uh and I kind of had to like slap myself and was like nah like Sam focus and and I also I told myself in that moment I was like if I win here like I'm never coming back again like this is too hard and I've I, I would have done it it's just like fuck this I'm never coming back if I, if I do it this time um so I'm kind of happy that I didn't it would have been it would have been too easy you know it's already a massive step forward for me to to do this result um and uh I think it will only make it sweeter when I when I do when I do make it yeah um yeah I mean I I kept a very steady even pace the whole way around about 352 I think uh I saw some some guy who analyzed it apparently I even negative spitted it very slightly um but yeah Gustav just there was the moment where he attacked uh, Christian. I mean, it was slightly uphill with like, there was no wind to cool you down. And he like dropped a few 320 like kilometers, uh, pay, like 320 per kilometer pace. And it was my gap just like instantly went down. And, uh, and the, the, the magic of his Taiwanese cap uh, worked again. Yeah. So a big moment from the race is, is that, is that moment where, where Gustav finally caught you and went past you and, you know, you two boys shook hands and, and like that, that moment is probably, that was probably the moment of the men's race, if not the entire weekend. Like, I think that's, that's potentially the moment that's been talked about more than any. Um, and, and I know that you've, you've posted on Instagram and came out after the race and said that Gustav just said that he was proud of you. Um, and like, that's, that's real respect. Like at, at a, at a point like that in, in the race, like, I don't know, people might not, people might underestimate what that means. Like that's, that's a huge shine of respect from the one, you know, arguably the best triathlete on planet earth right now to you. And I'm sure that moment was really special. And I'm curious about that, but I'm also equally curious about what's being said between you guys after the race, because when you share a battle like that, like, I don't, I don't think based on what I've heard Gustav and, and Christian say before and after the race, they, I don't think they expected you to race that well or, to be that hard to catch. I think, I think they were sort of a bit blase in, in, in their yeah. thinking. And they were sort of like, Oh, well, even if he's 10 minutes up the road, we'll still, we'll still get him. Mm. But I, I think there was probably periods throughout that race where they were thinking, Oh fuck, we're not going to get him. And Christian didn't get you, which is like that, that probably Christian is probably like laid in bed at night, stewing over that. Like what the fuck? How didn't <laughs> I catch him? So I'm, I'm, really, not, I'm not sure he's got an, he's got a, an Olympic gold medal to <laughs> call down to in bed. So I'm not too not too sure he's fussed. But um, no, I mean yeah, the, it's funny the moment where the moment where he passed me and kind of gave each other a, 
high five or whatever it is. Um, I mean, like in in the moment, like we don't even that just seems like completely normal to to me and I think to him. So it didn't even seem, and I never even thought about like the fact that like it was like similar to to Mark Allen and Raylett's uh, tap or or like similar to the Iron Wars. So I never, I n- it never even crossed my mind during it. You know, it's only when like people brought it up because to me. I mean, it's just like it's just it was such a natural, such a natural thing, and it was it was t- totally normal. Like um, we're both we're both good friends, and uh, he was like the first to to support me when I had a, a shit time in Collins Cup, and I um, yeah, I just genuinely think he's he's one of the nicest guys on the circuit, and uh, it's if there was one guy that that could beat me on that day, um, I, I mean, I want it to be him. You know, he, um, he's a he, he's amazing in, in many ways, and. Uh, I like the fact that he just doesn't take it too seriously. You know, he's like, he just like fast his time in Kona and I don't know, he, he'll take a picture of his leopard, uh, his leopard pants and, and post some, some random quote. And I just, <laughs> I just find him funny. Yeah. So, uh, both him and his brother are, are really good guys. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, I'm just grateful to, to have been part of it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure, as you said, they kind of underestimated it, but, um, underestimate my run and yeah so, so would have i so would i if like somebody who's got a 250 marathon pb would like get that much of a lead and it's somebody who ran a, a 130 half marathon in collins cup so uh yeah i think that was part of the part of the reason why it, it helped me but um equally like the, the the best thing of this about this whole thing is that um i don't know if you saw my, my post before the race but i just said like whatever happens tomorrow uh, I'm only just getting started, and uh, that's generally how I feel. Like we're barely scratching the surface of of what of what I can do, um, but kind of like purposely, you know, because we I want to have a long career, and uh, and so we've always kind of done slightly less than, than slightly more. And to right now to to be at this stage, knowing that I've got so many just like small things that I can improve on, uh, like just aspects where others have a head start on me uh whether it's i don't know aerodynamics or nutrition or like we at the moment it's just like it's me and my dad you know and uh, i've had some amazing people contact me since the race and uh, uh and i guess at the end of the day that's what performance comes down to it's uh surrounding yourself with with very talented people and uh motivated people and i really feel this opportunity is coming along yeah. and, and so like i was sort of getting at then um that moment with gustav aside have you and, and Gustav and Christian like talked about the race much, you know, since it happened, but like maybe at the finish line, what was, what was said between you and Gustav particularly? And then, yeah, like, can you take us behind the scenes in some of the conversations that have, that have taken place between you guys and, and maybe any other guys in the race, if there was some, some good stuff, some good insight that you think we might find fascinating? Uh, yeah, I think I got, I got drunk like instantly. So I probably can't remember half the, half the things. Um, but, um, no, I, we didn't actually exchange that that many words with with Gustav. Uh, I think you're just like we were just enjoying it so much, you know. Like it was just enjoying the atmosphere, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there was nothing. There was nothing really to be said, you know. It's uh, Ironman's an incre- incredibly honest uh, sport, and, and the best man wins, and, and that's what happened. And even like uh, Blumenfeld, like he seemed like quite happy actually. I thought. I thought uh, he would be. I thought when he lost uh, a race, he kind of got really down. But no, he seemed pretty happy with his performance, and he was quite a matter of fact about the fact that he just said like I wasn't good enough on the run, you know. And uh, yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, we had a 
Yeah, I, I really noticed at the the post press uh, post press race uh, conference that uh, that like, there was just a great it was just a great uh, atmosphere between the athletes, you know, and uh, there was there was a bit of like banter, but we all like respected each other so much, and it was uh, it was just really good to see. And I think Sebi said like the, the athletes in the sport at the moment uh, are really refreshing, and, uh, and but yeah, I mean, I also want to point out his performance because like. He had the best performance of his of his career there and came sixth, you know. Um, and he said, like himself, that he couldn't have ended his career in any better way. You know, I think it kind of showed what where the sport's at right now. And um, I'm I'm grateful that he was there because uh, I think it it really made people believe, like understand what 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 just happened, you know. And uh, yeah, and he's he's been he's been an amazing figure in, in the sport, and uh, and it's yeah, it was it was a pleasure to race with him because uh, I mean I've always dreamt I would have the, the best thing that could have happened was for Jan to also be there on that day. You know, uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure that there's many kind of days like that where everybody where all the best guys I mean whatever it's new generation old generation all get together and uh, but I'm sure he'll be there next year. And they, he was there kind of as a spectator, and I'm pretty sure that fire and uh so yeah hopefully i'm hoping for a, a long day out with him next year where we can hopefully get get the norwegians or or magnus uh off off our feet in the swim some more sort of specific questions about the race sam um maybe just yeah. some some details that i'm really curious about based off your uh, your recap there so and this is probably the point I was most curious about when I was watching it live as well like everyone's talking about the marathon and it was crazy but your bike was just insane and and i'm listening to you talk about the way you rode and it like it's just so it just doesn't even make sense to me the way you're talking about it you're sort of talking about it like yeah i felt good but not at all like you did something amazing that day like you rode 404 at kona that is fucking insane you beat <laughs> you, you were the fastest bike on the day by five minutes that person was cam worth who's uh, you know everyone thinks is the best cyclist triathlons ever seen and he's like this anomaly but you were five minutes faster than him and he was hammering the whole day he didn't he didn't have those patches like you where you sat up and waited with max newman and played cat and mouse for a minute or two or you know again at the, at the turnaround where you sort of had those like sit up and, and look back moments yeah. and, and definitely cost yourself time like without question yeah no it definitely did and then when as soon as i as soon as i uh i got back and i was uh I was having, I saw like the the head family who my wheel sponsor, and I was like, uh, the first thing I said was like, I can, I can go sub four, I'm sure. Like, it's um, in them conditions. Obviously, I'm sure, I'm sure next year we'll have loads of wind, and uh, but equally, like, I I really wish for a hard race. I mean, the harder the race, the better. But um, yeah, as I said, one, I had a good day. Two, um, I've had recently, I've had a lot of uh, like equipment improvements, uh, which do make a difference, whether it's with like fusion who make my tri suit uh like specifically for me you know there's there's lots to be had in in the suit uh obviously the new head wheel and i was i was riding uh, a track that was like finding my size and i was just dialed in and um yeah and then i guess people who know me and like who've seen me race uh, in france and even from a from a young age you know um i mean i, I i've raced like the french tt champs here and yes i mean i, I came 30th or whatever but it's I'm still at like an elite level in, in time trialing, you know, so uh, if, if I have to. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess I guess it's a surprise to people that don't know me, but I've I, like Cam, for instance, like I think he generally knew that that kind of performance was, was in me and uh, I've raced him in, in Ironman in Girona and 
we rode i mean we rode within like three three minutes of each other the whole day but like he pedaled so hard that day that like after 20k on the run the wheels fell off and uh yeah i um yeah i i think i was possible and i generally also feel that the course just suits me it's uh it's not it's not totally flat it's like it's like rolling so there's a big part of knowing where to put the power down uh obviously if you just look at the power numbers like it seems super easy to do well, i mean there's lots of people in the world that can do 315 watts for four hours but um it's uh it's like knowing where to put that power and uh i really feel that's my goal is to is to ride fast and not to, uh, yeah. And I just, yeah, as I said, as I keep saying, I just felt really, really good. And yeah, like I'm sort of probably the main point in that ride was at like the 100K mark, like near the turnaround, a bit after the turnaround where you, the five of you came together. And like, by the way, the dynamics of this race were crazy how it ended up playing out because mm. there was this massive group out of the swim. I think it was like 18, 19 men. I haven't looked that up, but mm. from memory, it was about 18 people. Yeah. And you see that and like you said, like you look up and there's this line of people in front of you and you're like, oh, this is, this is like not playing out how I want it to. And then by the turnaround, which to everyone at home, like it's, it's under 100K away, there was only five of you left off the front and it was sort of like you were watching it and you're like, well, the winner comes from this group where literally only 90K earlier there was 30 of the, the best professional triathletes in the world all sitting there together in this massive pack. So like, I mean – I look at I was like watching it, and when I think about the race in reflection, I I think about that that last hundred like that last eighty k where you sort of took off, and and that's what I remember of the bike. But it's pretty crazy that there was thirty of you out of out of uh, the swim together. I mean, eighteen of you uh, like out of the swim together, and then by the turnaround, halfway through the bike, there was only five of you people left who could probably win the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. I think uh, also one of the factors is that like a few, quite a few of the strong cyclists got got penalties uh, uh, quite early on. So, so Florian and Clement Mignon, Arnaud, these are guys that can like really, I guess, like bring or bring packs together, or or at least like keep the pace of a pack going high. And they uh, they all got a penalty, and I don't know where the penalty box was exactly, but that uh, that certainly affected it. Not that I knew that they'd got a penalty, but yeah, so it was it was a bit of a surprise at turnaround where I kind of saw that. The, the best guys uh, were holding back but uh, or it looked like they were holding back um, and then yeah so I was just like I was just being really cautious almost and uh, and yeah I thought I thought that I was gonna I was gonna blow up but uh, yeah I, I really the whole way out I was thinking this is a stupid mistake like I shouldn't do this I should just I, like I, I thought that everybody was gonna be like this massive pack we're gonna be two or three minutes behind and uh, and then that on the way back or on the run, they would just like overtake me, but uh, that wasn't the case. Yeah, so it was, it was good. So um, yeah, well, I think what what did Camworth send me? He said like uh, he sent me a, a cheesy quote, but about I don't know taking the risk or something. And uh, no, he he was tough for me, and he um, he was super super nice guy. Uh, and just the way he like I don't know, some people would get pissed off that they lost their record, but he's he's all the, all the opposite. And uh, yeah, just a great dude. Was any part of you surprised that when it did like sort of whittle down to that five-man elite group off the front of the, the bike at 100Ks into it with yourself and Magnus Ditliv and Maxi Newman and then the two Norwegians, was any part of you like at that point surprised when they didn't come come with you or they couldn't come with you maybe more the point, particularly like Magnus and Gustav who – you know, a lot of people would definitely have looked at as better as better cyclists than than yourself. Yeah. Even though that's like I think arguably not true. A lot of people would have said that at that point, and 
And then 40K later, you were about three minutes off the, up, up the road. Were you thinking to yourself like, I've just dropped these guys. I'm, I'm, I'm like, they're not as strong as me today. Or did you think they tactically held back? Like what was actually going through your head? Yeah, I was thinking that they they tactically held back um, mostly. Uh, I think it, what actually happened was more of just like a, a dynamic thing. And then like one of them was coming to the front and then like, then he got fed up, obviously, right in the front. So he was like really slowing down, but nobody wanted to come past. Uh, and that happened, to, like Blumenfeld did that and then Gustav did that. And so uh, it just kind of, it just made for yeah bad, bad pacing because it was also a moment where it was just really fast and you could make up a lot, a lot of time, you know, and uh yeah, so I think that was it. And then I, when I got the news about Magnus getting a penalty, then in my head, kind of, I was like, okay, well, these guys have lost like some fire, firepower, you know, the the strongest legs in their group. So, uh, yeah, I just capitalized on that. And then, um, like, a few questions about the run. Like, you sort of answered every question I had in in your recap, which was like so detailed yeah. and awesome. But, I mean. Like I know that you said that you, there was a patch where you sort of started to believe, oh, I can win this race, but and maybe even allowed yourself to believe that. But then, like when Gustav did come past you and you're in second place, and you 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 sort of it looked to me on the coverage like you tried to go with him a little bit, but he was just running fucking insane, and 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 maybe you you thought, oh, I, I can't go with that, and and then held yourself back a little bit. But at that point where you still had about 10K to go, did you, did you like, did you switch off mentally and like, because you, you maybe realized, oh, I can't win this race now or, or where was your head at? Were you like, fuck it, I'm digging in. I'm not letting Christian catch me now. Or what, what, what was going through your head after you and after you and Gustav shared that moment and he got ahead of you by a couple of hundred meters, what, what was going through your head? Yeah, I mean, my uh, my mind definitely wanted to go with uh, with Gustav, and uh, I think it, my body showed it for about like two or three seconds, and uh, and then uh, just it was clear that my my body said no, uh, uh, and then yeah, from there onwards it was really about holding off Christian, and there was kind of weird splits. There was a moment where he came like back within a minute, and then he went back down to two. So yeah, right down to the last minute, I, I really didn't know, and that was my. That was my motivation, I would say, but equally it was just like, and I think that pushed me to really get the most out of myself. Um, maybe if like, I'm pretty sure if both the Norwegians came running past and, and like Max wasn't in the equation, then I probably would have ran like three minutes slower probably. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, I think it made a big difference that I did beat one of the Norwegians uh, and, and, and Christian especially, but uh, I think if I would have come third to them too, it would have, my performance wouldn't have been looked at the same way. So, uh, yeah, I think that that second place uh, was was really important. And then based off what happened at St. George earlier in the year where, again, if I'm assuming everyone listening to this knows, but you were in a – you, again, in a, two world championships in a couple of months where you were off the front. At that time you were in a group of five and, and you guys stayed off the front of the race for five or six hours. Um, but – I was asking a lot of guys in those groups that I've talked to in the lead up, like, Hey, are you guys going to get together again and, and chat and try and do that same thing, like replicate that same strategy because it almost worked. And like, it seems like maybe the way to beat the Norwegians and, and like guys like Magnus is to, to swim fucking hard and, mm. and get a gap and then work together. Um, so I guess my question is, were any conversations had in the, in the days leading in between you guys or maybe some other people like Amberger and Apo and, um and those kind of guys or or was it sort of just everyone from themselves um i mean i certainly thought about it um 
yeah, I think, I can't remember, like a week before, I was like, maybe we should create this WhatsApp group of like good swimmer bikers. And then I was, uh, I didn't. Uh, and I just, I think I chatted to Florian. Uh, I knew he was like probably the best swimmer uh, because obviously we'd just come off the back of Dallas. And I had a good, I, I mean, I was, I, um, Aaron Royal was the first out there and then I, I was second and it was kind of pretty strung out. Uh, Florian was behind me, but I knew that guys like Josh and stuff hadn't had the best of swims um and so yeah i was i was more counting on on florian uh and so yeah in that sense it kind of went strategically it was going well because uh we came out one and two of the water but um yeah there was so too many people with us and i really had to like surge and put stupid power to to kind of get away at the start which uh i think he was playing a bit more of a wise choice and it, it is difficult like when you when there's everybody's there and like Norwegians are there and you know how calculated they are you think well surely I should just stick in and like hope for a hope for a top this is like my best my best solution of getting a top five or something you know but um, I've always said that like I just as soon as I have a, a bib number on I can like only race aggressively and uh, and I feel like I need to know what what it takes to win uh, and the only way to do that is to kind of race at the front and um, yeah the day when I do win I mean I really want to I just want to start life. I just want to go off the front, you know, and, and then never see me again. And that that's, uh, I mean, from the swim, you know, and that's what I'm going to strive towards. I, I know that, I mean, Gustav beat me by two minutes and I genuinely feel like I'm a better swimmer than him by two minutes or, or more. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm, I'll be working on next year. And I think it's, it's a good thing because I can just focus on myself, you know, if people, if people are there, then that's good. But like, the fact that I'm just going to like focus on just being so good that I can come out the swim first and stay away on the bike and then run a two, a low two forty. That that I think that could get me potentially the win. Yeah, I've got a few. Like obviously, this is how they train. I, I love talking about training, and I've got a a few training related questions, particularly about the build up. But just quickly to touch on what you said there, where like you're clearly like you just have this confidence. I fucking love it about you. Like you're already thinking about how you can win next year and it's like it's great to hear but earlier in the in the episode you sort of said that maybe one of the things that that made your performance possible this year was not treating the race like it was different to any other race like you just went in and you hit numbers that you're capable of hitting in an, in another Ironman you didn't overdo it in the lead up does any part of you worry about that that now you're like you're so motivated and you can see that win that that you might fall into that trap next year or like, yeah, yeah like I'm, I'm curious where, where, like where you think the path to victory is. is, is it just more of the same and natural progression has you a couple of minutes better next year or, or, or are you going to change things and, and like really commit and, and do even more to, to try and win it next year? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've made that mistake before. Um, I, when I, when I qualified for Kona that then got cancelled last year, um, I was like, I stopped racing and I was like, okay, I'm going to go to altitude and just train like a, like an animal for, for four months and just like be the fittest guy there. And, uh, and, uh, I got to, I mean, before that I would, so my two focuses was IT worlds and, and uh, Kona, Kona obviously got canceled, but I went to IT worlds and, and had no energy, no mental strength. And I was just like, I DNF there. And then, um, I then went to Ironman South Africa to kind of replace Kona and DNF there. So it was, um, yeah, I just, I pushed it too far, you know, and uh, so I've kind of, I've learned from the mistakes and, and the best results I've had lately, uh, are definitely, uh, I've definitely been off the back of just being a bit more, yeah, finding the right balance for, for you, you know, not trying to copy the, 
the 40 hours a week uh, Norwegians are doing or yeah and um, I kind of had also the confidence because I came eighth in St. George but the lead up to that I mean I was relatively so unfit you know I mean I was fresh and I'd, I'd managed to get my body healthy but um, I through illness and COVID and whatnot um, and my, my injury I just I just wasn't fit and I knew it you know so uh, that was really eye-opening to me it was like like if you show up and you're or at least in my case, with my, I don't know, with my abilities, if I show up and I'm just like healthy and, and reasonably fit, then I'm going to have like a decent race. So let's just like, just try and do the, just the smallest things right and not, not overdo it because I feel like that, that mental energy that you need for, for the big day is, is, is huge, you know, and I, I really, you see it every year and even, even people have like won it. So uh, like, I don't know, but you saw that Daniela and Braden didn't have the day they wanted this year and, I felt I felt bad, you know, for like everything they like. They've obviously went to Maui and trained like like I remember was over there, but um, it just it just happens, and yeah, I'm I'm sure maybe next year it will happen. And if I have another, if it it would it would be it would be uh, let's say next year there's a lot more chance of me not reproducing what I just did than there is reproducing it, and I'm 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 going to keep that keep that in mind, uh, and I think that's important. And then you, you've mentioned your old man a couple of times, your, times your dad, your coach, um, Richard. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw there's a couple of questions I want to ask you because I really want to dive into into exactly what that training block that, you, that we've sort of alluded to a couple of times looked like in, in the lead up to Kona. Um, and something I was curious about was I saw a video in the lead up because I'm like obviously a huge fan of the sport and, and, and a massive fan of you like you know and I saw a little video of you where you and your dad were doing the typical Norwegian thing of you're out in the bike and you slid into behind the car and he, he took some lactate from you. And I, I don't know, it just made me, it made me think like, I wonder what Sam's doing because we didn't really, we sort of talked about your training a bit in the last episode, but we didn't get like mm. super deep on the details. And, and it made me sort of think like, Oh, I wonder, wonder exactly what he's been doing in the lead up here. And, and I don't know, for some reason, seeing Richard give you that lactate test just it just made me think like, so I reckon Sam's on here. And I don't know why I had that thought. I just, I, I don't know. It was it was a weird moment. So uh, I guess. Well, yeah. If that if that's all it takes, I'll post some more videos of uh, <laughs> me taking, my dad taking lactate. But no, uh, yeah, it's, um, uh, how does, how, how did a block go? I, guess, I mean, we had Dallas before, so yeah. Uh, I, I was on my own in Dallas and then spent another uh, almost 10 days here uh, training with, I was training with Clément Mignon from France. Uh, and um, yeah, I mean, we kind of wasn't super strict then. I, I said to my dad, I think, I'll, so we, we work a lot on kind of what I feel I need. Uh, and then he'll kind of like build the sessions around it. But, um, but so will I. And uh, I mean, we kind of like work together. It's not, it's not a set in stone necessarily. Um, but so I kind of came away from Dallas saying that like, I need more strength. Like I need to like in these last three weeks, I need to like just increase my strength. You know, I know I've got the fitness and like, you like to hold whatever three ten watts or three fifteen watts. It's like, it's not, it's not about how fit you are. There's lots of people can hold that, you know, for 10, 20, 30 minutes even, but it's like how your, your strength endurance to be able to hold that. So, um, yeah, I guess when I arrived on the Island, it was more about, I mean, there was only, only had 12 or 13 days left before the race. So um, I just did some kind of key sessions, which were uh, like really race specific, I guess. So we could see what, what was going on, uh, just making sure that 
at the paces that we thought I could hold. I wasn't overdoing it. Um, yeah, I mean, my dad also also brought like uh, the the VO2 max master mask, so uh, we were we did some testing on the course in the conditions, like running to see uh, what was going on. And yeah, I mean, everything everything led us to believe that I, I could do them that kind of them kind of numbers. Obviously, the bike conditions are super fast, you know. So, uh, but and then equally, I didn't know I didn't know what kind of times we were going to do, but. Uh, I mean, I, I said already back in St. George and I said that I think that loads of people in Kona, I, I, I said the top eight would go under eight hours and we had good conditions. So it was the top 10, but I kind of, I knew it was coming and just riding on the course. I mean, I was like, everybody was talking about, everybody was asking me, like saying, oh yeah, you're going to break the swim record and stuff. Uh, this was Patrick Langer's coach. And, um, and I was like, no, I might. I mean, I think I could probably beat the bike one, but I don't think I could beat the swim one. And he was like, ah, oh, no, that'd be silly and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I kind of, I could, I deep down, I knew like that a few guys would go fast. I just presumed that maybe there'd be a few guys that would go even faster than me. And so in the, in the, that final sort of little block at Kona, you said you, you did a few specific sessions or a few like last key sessions. What, what were they, Sam? Um, I, what did I do? I did, uh, I did a long ride, like 160k, uh, 170k, like almost the whole course. Um, with, I think it was like two times 30 minutes and one hour uh, uh, at race pace, or just just above. So like the power was slightly slightly over, like around 320 watts. And um, but yeah, already there. I mean, I was so I was I was cruising around at 320 watts for like 125 BPM or something, which for me is. Like that kind of showed I was fit, you know. I mean, I was just all I needed was to make sure I I, I arrived healthy and, and strong. Um, I think one of the the key factors as well, uh, which I've had in both world championships, is just having a really good kind of deep massage about six or seven days out. Uh, that I found I found that to really help me. Um, and the kind of kind of I just kind of feel a lot looser after that. Um, Sorry, and coming back to that session, yeah, 170k ride, and then I just like followed it with a small like 30 minute run um, at Ironman pace, uh, and then in the afternoon I went for another. I mean, obviously there was probably I don't know four hours rest between it, but I went for another hour and a half run in the evening, uh, like uh, just kind of I would say zone like top end zone two, so like 420 per per k pace just to kind of get the mileage in. Uh, and yeah, so that was probably one of the biggest days I did. And that was, I would say, eight eight or nine days out from the race. Uh, and then I actually did, this time I did another long run. Because um, I kind of, I felt like I hadn't done any long runs leading into it just because of, I don't know, the preparing for Collins Cup. And then after Collins Cup, I was a bit ill and we were preparing for Dallas and then, just hadn't had a chance really to do many long runs. Uh, and then when I was training in Dallas, it was just too hot for me to go out on long runs on my own because, I mean, yeah, it's uh, you can't really do an hour without, without needing three bottles. And uh, so I did a 30K. Yeah, I did a 30K uh, broken in. So oh, no, sorry, I did a two-hour ride into a 30K run. Uh, with the last hour of the two-hour ride was like um, at Ironman pace. Um, and that 30K run was basically all at, it was all at uh, Ironman pace, so like 350 per K, but um, it was broken up into 
uh, 15 or 20 minutes, like depending on when my dad could stop with the car to take lactate and just to see how that evolved. Uh, and then kind of I did the last two or three K, like just pushing it to see if I could still kind of get the lactate levels up, uh, if I still kind of had fuel in the body. And uh, yeah, this is like the first race where just looking at the numbers and stuff on the run, like even towards the end, I was uh, I was able to get my heart rate up. You know, normally towards the end of an Ironman, you're you're kind of depleted, and I don't know whether it was dehydration more or, or sugar, but I generally start to fade towards the end and just can't get my heart rate up. So this was the first time where I just got to the end uh, and still had energy. But that's probably also due with the fact that we went so fast. You know, I've never done the race where you're only out there for seven hours, forty minutes, and like there's some big sessions. And I think this was something that a lot of people were were fascinated by or really intrigued by in the lead up to the race. And I think it was, again, it was Norwegian driven. The The big thing that everyone was talking about was that session, uh, like 10 days, no, eight days out from the race yeah. that, that Gustav and Christian did where they went like, um, they did a four hour ride or like 170 K ride. And then the next day they did like a three hour ride and, and then went into a 40 K run at three forty five per K and everyone was like, what the fuck are we looking at? Like, how are they not cooked? It was, you know, a week out from the Ironman World Championships. And mm-hmm. you've done, you know, some big sessions there as well, like that 30K run with the the ride before. It's That's pretty big traditionally speaking, but it's not as big as, as what they did. Did you look at, at that like session they did a week before the race where they, they ran the, the, the marathon in, you know, 230. And did you think, holy yeah. fuck, like what, what was going through your head? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have done, I wouldn't have looked through it if it wasn't for um, Clement who was staying with me and he's like a Strava geek. So he like, he told me and I was like, oh, like why do you have to, why do you have to look at this, this shit? And, uh, and, but I equally like, I kind of, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the brightest guy, but I'm not stupid. But, and I kind of know that they do this like to get, they play, the Norwegians are very, very good at the mental game, you know, this whole data thing. And I mean, yes, they do use, they do like use lactate and, and test VO2 and stuff, but they're equally playing on it. You know, like if you're going to a race and everybody else thinks that you're doing like you're, you've got a head start on them, then like you've got a massive benefit. And um, even like, so before the race, uh, right before the start, uh, in like the Olav, uh, the coach was like uh, in the area where all the athletes were. So he'd obviously managed to get in whatever. And he had like his computer laid out and papers and everything. And like, he was just, this, this is like five minutes before the race, right? And he's just like shouting at them in Norwegian and numbers. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is pathetic. Like this, what was he telling them? What's he telling them if like if the surf's good or what what like <laughs> and uh yeah so there is a massive mental mental game but uh I mean it, it works they you can't they they win so um yeah and I think the best lots of the best guys are very good at that uh the mental game not necessarily in, in the same ways but uh Jan and Sebi and stuff have all used have all used yeah having that mental edge on others to to do well and it's it's just part of it the, the lactate thing is pretty crazy. I don't know if you saw the meme I made during the week, Sam, but I made a meme that's like... Uh, I think maybe I did, yeah, something where you saw like... Uh, was it you that like... It's like loads of lactate strips everywhere in the ocean or something? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like no. um, uh, it's okay. like a picture of the beach at Kona in, in like... And it's like fret. There's like... <laughs> you can see all the sand and the water looks clear and it's like Ironman World Championships 2019 and then down below yeah, it's yeah. Ironman World Championships 2022 and it's just like 
the beach is just full of piles of lactate meters and and lactate uh, testing strips and like it really was like that, wasn't it? Like there was literally hundreds of age groupers out on the Kona bike course testing their lactate and pretty much every professional in the race was testing their lactate in the, in the week <laughs> leading up. Like it's crazy how the Norwegians have made that take over our sport. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's back, it's back in trend, you know, I mean, my, my, my dad used it, I don't know how many years ago, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's back in, uh, yeah it doesn't mean it doesn't mean everything you need to the problem is you need to really know how how to use it you know if you want to if if you are going to use it and equally like i i i mean i did a few specific sessions like to know i, I probably what i probably used like i don't know six or seven strips during the whole the whole time where i was there like i don't and even at home like there'll, there'll be weeks where i maybe don't even use it you know it's not it's not at all, uh, I would say, uh, a must, uh, let's say. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a trend. Yeah, can you tell me this? Like, I reckon everyone's curious about this because to, to everyone who sees it happening, they don't really understand it, I don't think. And, and you've just said that then, that it really only is, is worthwhile if you know how to use it. So, like, how do you use lactate? What is the, the way that all you guys are using it? I mean, I, I'm I'm probably not the guy to ask, uh, but um, I mean, the way I use it is that um, I guess it's kind of just to know where your where, where your limits are when you when you're training. Uh, I think uh, for an age group, certainly uh, they train far too much in an anaerobic state, you know, or certainly producing uh, lactate levels that that aren't sustainable. Um, and it's kind of like just teaching your body. The goal is really to teach your body to like keep resynthesizing the lactate uh, uh or certainly for like most Ironman athletes it's different for uh Blumenfeld who's trying to like win the olympics and he needs to be he needs to like cope with probably like 20 millimoles for the last two minutes or something that's like it's completely different demands but um yeah if, if you're training for an for an Ironman long distance event just kind of just training at your upper aerobic limit is 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 is, is the best way to go you know spending as much time at that upper aerobic limit because effectively as long as you're still in an aerobic state like the it's it's putting a similar amount of stress uh to your body as if as it as when you're running like really easy you know so if you're let's say somebody uh at, at like five minute kilometer pace is is producing 1.1.5 millimoles or something and then when he's running at four four minute kilometer pace he's he's producing 1.5 still or 1.6 then really he might as well he might as well run at four minute kilometer pace you know um because you're teaching your body to to run faster i mean i'm not this is excluding obviously like recovery days and stuff like that but um yeah i think that's kind of how i use it i mean if you can teaching your body to go as fast as possible in an aerobic state and since the race has has everyone been hitting up yourself and 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 your dad about coaching has that been a big thing um yeah yeah it has um we're we're yeah i'm gonna have to have a real family meeting when i get back and uh and just organize it all because uh my dad already has a lot of athletes and uh he doesn't necessarily do it for the money so uh he's uh he's kind of too kind and the athletes he's been coaching already for like 20 years he's still they're still on the same on the same price point as when uh he initially like started you know and didn't well didn't know much so uh uh i think it should uh, yeah we need to make some decisions but he doesn't want to like let them go obviously because he enjoys coaching them 
but now we've got people asking like uh, some some serious amounts of money for him to coach him then so uh, yeah uh, we'll have to organize that and then yeah it's just same same for me it's been a it's been really really crazy uh, and even just like I know I'm gonna have to make some really uh, important decisions for the rest of my career and I just want to take the time to make them and make sure I, I get to work with people that I enjoy working with and uh, just brands that uh, same I enjoy uh, I enjoy working with and that generally want to be the best you know which is what i want to be this is a question i got asked on a run tonight when i was going for a run with a mate um who who yeah. watched the world championships but doesn't know a lot about the sport he's he listens to the podcast and therefore he started watching the the world champs and he was asking me he's like how much do these guys like how much did gustav actually make to win like what what will he now make because of that race and because we we did a conversation with Joe Skipper leading into the race where he was um, he was complaining for lack of a better word about the Ironman not looking yeah. after the athletes and 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 about the lack of money in the sport for professionals. So I mean, if you don't mind me asking, Sam, I know money's always sort of like tricky to talk about for people, but what do you make for coming second in a race like that? And then I guess more so because that's public information, but what do you make and how do you make it after that result? Like in the next 12 mm. months, 24 months, how much do you actually make for coming first, second, third, fifth at Kona? Yeah. So yeah, for, for, firstly, like, I didn't really, I never, because I'd never come to Kona, I didn't realize what, how big the impact it, this race kind of has. Um, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm learning like as we, as we speak uh, and uh I mean the pure so the pure prize money you get from the race is sixty five thousand dollars for coming second, uh, and one hundred twenty five thousand if you if you win. Um, but there's lots of, I mean, if, if like we're in very different situations, for instance, with uh, like Gustav and me because he's got already got some some serious uh, brands, uh, so he might have like he might have brands that pay maybe a fifty k bonus, you know, if he if he wins, uh, and that can be anything from like shoes to bike to helmet i don't know i mean or, or train or uh, tri gear or you know so that it can it can quickly add up um and then for me uh i mean yeah i i've got some i've got some really serious offers now which is which is great and um yeah i've been speaking to some amazing people who are just like really really famous uh in the sport i won't i won't say their names but they're just kind of like mentoring me and everybody's trying to help me some some for in for their own interest and some not at all uh but um yeah i i guess i guess you you can definitely make make a good living um and i would say like multiply that that prize money by by four or five like relatively easy you know if you're signing new if you're signing new contracts i mean you know um but yeah i've been told um by by an accomplished uh pro who i won't say his name but like for instance that you can uh i did it like it's almost good that i didn't win it because um like like this so like, let's say like i'll take the bike record as an example if i would have already had a bike sponsor uh and probably I would have signed whatever, let's say a hundred K hundred K contract in my bike sponsor. And if I break the bike course record in Kona, I'll get like an 80 K bonus, you know, but because I haven't got a bike bike sponsor and I'm probably going to struggle to break that course record again, just through conditions and stuff. I've kind of, I've kind of missed out there. So in a way it was almost good that like I did that race and everybody knows about me now. And 
but I didn't quite win it, you know, uh, because that's what the that's what the sponsors want to get on board with. You know, they don't want somebody necessarily who's already won. They want to they they want to kind of be part of the journey. And uh, and yeah, they I know a lot of a lot of brands who want to beat these two Norwegians, and uh, that's our goal. So I mean, like sixty five grand for second, and you say you can times that by four or five. So let's say you know three hundred plus us dollars uh 300,000 plus us dollars for for a year just from from that result at kona i i guess now that you're in a in a space where you can make that much money and and will make that much money over the next 12 months which by the way that's fucking exciting for a triathlete well done yeah. um can you now sort of talk to me about the last like 12 months like how does it compare like what would you have made in a calendar year removing this result if you just had to have the year you you would have had like how much less are you you making as a as a good professional triathlete top 10 professional triathlete in the world but not having that elite insane performance that you had at Kona yeah I think it's a it's a really difficult I mean I, I'll happily like talk like numbers but it's difficult to put uh like because there's there's athletes who aren't necessarily getting results but they, they're more focused on getting paid you know uh and then there's also like you get you could take athletes who had exactly the same yeah who had exactly this like they've both had maybe let's say what one Kona win and and like a few Ironman wins and they they but they just got completely different strategies and and just uh, ways they want to live their life you know personally me I'd rather make a little bit less money but have slightly less commitments and just uh, and just be able to keep my life as as simple as as I want it you know like just uh, be able to swim bike and run and enjoy moments with my family and girlfriend and yeah just like the simple things in life but uh but then i also know other other athletes who like who will choose a manager like just because he knows that manager is going to make them the most money you know but it's it's uh so everybody has a different different strategy so even so somebody who wins kona might might win again five times more than somebody else you know depending on what their their mindset's like and how how they want to live their life uh but before before this result um I mean, this this year I was I was doing pretty well because um, I'd come fourth in both the PTO races and I'd done the Collins Cup. So just on them three races alone, that adds up to 120k. Uh, yeah, and then obviously I've got I've got some small like well, compared to that anyway, I've got some smaller sponsors, uh, just like uh, financial financial sponsors, um, and. Then obviously, then I would say I would say a, a level underneath again in terms of like pure numbers, like the like small smaller equipment companies that will that help out obviously uh, at, at their level uh, and that pay me to to race uh, on their equipment. So uh, yeah, I mean it's you know, this year. Even if I wouldn't have had this result, I would have I would have for me had a good year. But this is obviously like I, I feel like this year has gone from zero to a hundred because. Um, yeah, last year I really let me think. Last year, prize money wise, no, I mean probably I over the whole year I probably won like fifteen thousand prize money wise, uh, and then sponsorship wise maybe thirty grand. So I mean it, it's enough, um, but it's it's quite a big step up. And the year before that I literally earned nothing. So uh, and and for and for many years before that I earned nothing. So uh, yeah, if if there's if it's one bit of advice or if there is a kid listening or anything, it's like that you can like just always keep trying you never know when it might just like it might just fall you know uh it can it's not don't expect it to be kind of like uh perfectly linear and incremental because uh yeah sometimes if you just try one day more uh, things some some amazing things can happen 
It's insane, mate. I'm so happy for you. I'm I like I'm genuinely happy to hear that. That's that's made Appreciate my it. that's made my day. Um hey, a question that I was I wasn't going to ask because but I'm gonna ask it. So when you came on the podcast last time, it was obviously like right in the middle of of what I found to be like one of the funniest like parts of, of triathlon this year when it was off the Collins cup where you had a pretty shitty yeah. result by your standards, by your like extremely high standards and, and had like the, the beef with Sam long. And it was just hilarious. Like the, that was the funniest thing ever because not just because of what happened, but because of everyone's reactions, like triathlon is a funny sport where we've got some very sensitive fans and then we've got some really relaxed fans. So, you know, you had quite a lot of people who, who were not let's let's say they weren't happy with you they were they thought you were yeah. uh like causing a bit of mischief and and like we had a lot of fun in that episode like promoting you as the bad boy of triathlon and like people just yeah. bite into that it was just genuinely funny and, and you, actually after that the um on the bob babbitt interview poncho man he used uh you know how he does a song like every time he used bad boy bad boy <laughs> what you gonna do <laughs> yeah you started the you started the the nickname. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, and and like people did really buy into that whole image of you being like this young brash kid, like, oh, he's getting ahead of himself, he's arrogant, you know, he's it was it was like ridiculous, but equally funny at the same time. And and it was like it was just so funny seeing how you just like you you clearly just thought it was fun and you just were having a good time with it. And I loved it, it was super refreshing. But I think um I think after this result, and it's funny how success can do this, but after this result, I know myself, just my Instagram, mate, I've had 30, 40 messages of people saying like, oh, I didn't like him, but now I'm like a big fan of him and that kind of thing. Uh, and you, you're no different to how you were. You just had a really good result. But, you know, maybe yeah. maybe you did a few like interviews that won people over and things. But have you felt that perception shift for you as well after the race? Um, there's as i said yeah there's maybe i've seen a few comments past where people said oh I, I wasn't a fan but now i am or something but i mean no, nothing nothing against them but like they're not the people who who i want them to be my fans you know like i i like people who love me like they i want them to love me and people if they want to hate me they can hate me you know i know deep down i know who who i am and i guess that's that's all that all that matters and as i i think i said in your last in in the last uh, interview was that um what affected me from that from that kind of cup was not at all like what the what other people thought of me it was just like the fact that maybe my my family uh, thought that like uh that they that they saw them comments almost and like doubting if i if i was bad you know and, uh, so I've, I've i'm i can quite easily like just take take a step back from that and uh and just kind of yeah i deep down i know who i am and i have i have real friends you know i don't need a keyboard warrior to tell me who i am or or who i should be so uh, i think that's another thing that's increasingly difficult and um, and we see it with i think Lionel's the perfect example you know he's uh, just the fact that he's being real and putting his stuff out there it means that some people will love him and some people hate him you know but uh, yeah it's a real it's a real thing now with social media and I, I said something else after the race that a lot of people reacted to on, on social media. And it was that I felt like you out of everyone in male and female triathlon and we're in like, we are in the best patch of triathlon ever in my mind. Like the, the, it's just triathlon is on, on just a whole nother level now in terms of performance yeah. and, and entertainment, all of it. 
I don't think anyone in the sport of triathlon in 2022 has had a bigger impact on the sport being exciting and fun to watch than you. And I don't just mean it in that way that like you haven't been afraid to go out there and talk and create some hype and excitement and entertainment outside of the races, but also in the way you race, like what you've done the whole year, the, the at Dallas and Collins um, and Canadian open and at world championships earlier in the year, and then like cementing it with this um, and, and even Texas, like you have just, you've just been so f- like fucking refreshing and, and great for the sport in the way you race and, and the way you just unapologetically yourself. And like, honestly, oh, this isn't even a question. I just, I just want to thank you for that as a fan of the sport, mate. Like it's, it's the best. I re- really appreciate it, mate. Yeah. yeah. And um, no, I mean, I'll keep on racing like that. And I'm sure, uh, I mean, I've been racing like that for years. Nobody, I mean, uh, lower level and uh, often there'll be some, some, some big blow ups, but, uh, and I'm sure there will be, and they'll be entertaining as well. So uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see. Yeah. And I just don't ever want you to change. Like, I just want you to keep doing this. I, I love how confident you are. I love that you're already talking about how you, you're going to come back and win Kona next year. And like, seriously, I believe you. And, and maybe, maybe four weeks ago, I would have doubted you, but even though I'm such a fan, like I, I don't, I'm never going to doubt anything about Sam Laidlow again. Like I just think you can achieve whatever you want in this sport, mate. So yeah, don't, don't ever let anyone stop you being you and, and, and doing what you do. Cause it's fucking refreshing. It's great for the sport. And look, the weekend proved that you can do it. You can achieve whatever you want to achieve and, and, and will. So yeah. Um, yeah. Be you. It was an amazing, amazing weekend. Yeah. For, for my family and I, it's been, uh, yeah, we've worked, I don't know. It, feel, it feels like, I know to some people it seems like I've just appeared, but it feels like I've been waiting forever for this. So, uh, now to, to, for it to all kind of come into play on that day, uh, was definitely a moment that my my family and I will remember for for the rest of our lives. And uh, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna head home and spend some time with them because uh, yeah, it's been it's been really hectic. And I this time I didn't get a chance to. I mean, I couldn't couldn't afford to fly necessarily my mum and my brother across. So uh, yeah, gonna gonna get back and drink some champagne with them, and that will be probably the the best moment of of the whole of the whole thing. Couldn't afford to fly them over on the way out, but then you'll get home and have uh, showers. You'll just shower them in hundred dollar bills on the way home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah I, I was gonna ask that as well like you know i heard christian and 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 the norwegians talk about potentially going straight to the ironman 70.3 world championships less than less than a month after that race on the weekend and do you have any plans do you have any next races like where can we where can we look forward to watching you race next uh honestly like i i don't, I don't really know i'm gonna there's gonna be some as i said before like some really important decisions to make and i don't know necessarily where where i'll be or like how many commitments i'm gonna have to do because i really want to i want to play the long-term game you know so if i have to go and meet people or, or i don't know speak with certain brands or develop a, a certain product then i'll take the time to do it um and yeah i mean obviously kona next year and whatever whatever the strategy is to to get to there as, as fit as possible we'll, we'll see uh and the pto races um would definitely play a big role um i would like to do either challenge roth or i'm ran lanzarote one of them too i mean i know they're different courses but uh yeah i like the fact that lanzarote is just a really hard and honest course and i like the fact that uh, challenge roth will probably have a lot of good guys and uh yeah the guy from the guy from try rating seems to give people some good scores there so uh, <laughs> let's go there and then uh my last question sam 
Do you think there was anything else from the the trip to to Kona or from the race day itself or or just any any of your time there? Was there any stories or or anything like that that we've missed or that people would be interested in that that they haven't heard before? Um, so I got I decided to get a tattoo the day after the race, uh, and I was I was I just wanted this butterfly and it's like the state it's the state butterfly of Hawaii, so it's a butterfly that you only find in Hawaii. And uh, it's called the, I can't pronounce it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's like Mahima or something. The, you know, the Hawaiian language is really difficult. Anyway, so he's, and then afterwards I got it done and all that. And okay, it looked cool. And then that, that evening I got invited to like the, the Airbnb where I was staying, the, the folks that, that own it. And uh, he's like an old an old guy from there. And uh, he uh, he was starting to tell me that this uh, this butterfly, the so Mahima was like the first king of Hawaii, and I was like, oh, okay, so it all makes sense now. I need to, I need to, I need to come back and be and be the king of this island because uh, my, all my tattoos generally happen like that. I was like the so the the birds on my on my uh, on my wrist. It was like they were a bit random, and then it was like once I'd done it, I realized that um, like British sailors used to get one and get the second one, and it would bring. Well, they used to get one, it would bring them luck to come back, and that's kind of what I did with my family. I was I was away for a long for like six, seven years. And it, I got it done like that year when I, when I did come back and I, but I didn't know about it, you know? So hopefully this, uh, this King of the Island thing is, uh, is, uh, another one of them and I'll, I will eventually win this race. Yeah. I love that. I'm sort of just picturing you winning the race next year. And then like, you know how like 24 hours afterwards or whatever, everyone's waiting for the Instagram post of the person who won <laughs> yeah. a picture of you crossing the line with just the caption, like the King of the Island or King of Kona or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking more of the, you know, the, the you, you remember the photo of Blumenfeld when he won St. George? Yeah. 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 When he's in the jacuzzi or whatever, or in the bed, I think it was with his, with his, <laughs> On uh, the bed, yeah, yeah. with his lay. And yeah. So, uh, with, with the lay and the crown and the butterfly, I think it would, it, it could look cool too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. With like a fruit platter next year. All right, mate. Hey, thanks so much for coming on and chatting. Uh, pre- like absolute privilege, mate. I'm super honored that you've chosen to come on and have a chat to me, um, this close after the race. And yeah, you know, I'm a massive fan and I can't wait to see what happens next year. Appreciate it, mate. I'm sure we'll get a chance to chat again. Awesome. See you soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Jack. See ya.